When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Afternoon, Bo Wolf, Zach Berman. Zach is in on like 75 minutes of sleep. The man is a trooper straight from Tampa, Florida. We have a lot to talk about as we unpack the end, the pitiful end of the Eagles season after their dispiriting loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is Close to decision time for Jeffrey Lurie as he evaluates what to do next with this team moving forward. We have reports that Jason Kelsey has told teammates that he intends to retire. We'll talk about that a little bit, but maybe save the full discussion for another time. But first of all, Zach, how are you? As you were uh, trying to like force your body to sleep on the plane, but you knew that your brain was running wild and other things, what were the things that were going through your mind? Oh, so many, right? What happened yesterday? What's next for the team? Mainly what's next for the team, right? It's, it's hard to, to focus so much on Jalen Hurts taking a safety in a bad situation when they have all these big picture uh, dile- you know, problems that they need to solve and major decisions, major uh, <clears throat> that have ramifications throughout the coaching staff, throughout the roster. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's all a way of saying that this is such an uh, an weird, odd, interesting time in the franchise. And and the way football seasons end, when you're in the playoffs in particular, is there's no gradual stop. so final. It just goes from 90 miles per hour to zero, just like that. Although with this Eagles team, it was more like a pedestrian (laughs) 35 miles an hour. (laughs) Fair enough. But that's that's kind of the situation that they're in. It's it's like you stick your head up and you're like, now what? Right? Because, and that's... That is the uh, title of the show today is, is now what? Because there's, there's so much that they need to figure out that we need to analyze and dissect here. Well, let's get right into it. Um, you are something of a Jeffrey Lurie historian, <laughs> okay. right? Uh, yeah. You have studied very closely the arc of his ownership, the decisions that he has made. You have spent time with him to talk through those decisions. As he evaluates this and as everybody saw him, you know, looking dejected in the owner's box last night as his team was just flailing out there, what do you think is going through his mind? What do you think are the kinds of questions that he's going to ask Nick Sirianni? And ultimately, where do you think this ends up? Yeah, so he's he has to be pissed off. Um they the expectations were considerably higher and not just for the way this finished but the way they played jeffrey likes to view himself as a progressive bold owner 
uh, innovative with an organization that is in theory ahead of the curve and and when you watch them play that's that's not the case uh i don't think jeffrey laurie will make a decision based on wins and losses i don't think he'll make a decision based on overall resume i think he'll make a decision based on really two factors the direction that they're going okay and that that's kind of the doug peterson thing what's the vision for the franchise going forward and second the the uh, the belief in the fitness of the coach to solve those problems, right? So one, like you have to have alignment in terms of vision, but two, you have to have a belief that he can execute the vision. So even if they're in alignment that, all right, we need to make a change at defensive coordinator or there needs to be evolution. I think they're good on defense. Yeah, yeah I think they're yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, But like – there needs to be evolution with the play calling or the, the scheme, which Nick mentioned both of those when I asked him yesterday about how they got to this point. But there needs to, so there can't just be alignment in the vision. There needs to be alignment in how to execute that vision. And uh, that is going to matter much more than, than 11 and 6 or playoffs three years in a row. And then just to add to this, and this is something you've you've referenced too, is how your head coach is, is viewed around, and how your organization is viewed around the league. I, I, I do think Jeffrey cares about that. He cares about uh, the, the way the, the organization, the way the coaching staff, the way the team is viewed by his peers. And, and, and so that I'm, I'm curious to see that as well. I have seen the uh, – Jamie and I talked about this um, a little bit last night. And that was fun. Thanks to everybody who came out to uh, to Wicked Wolf to to watch the game with us. Um, he made the case that like the fact that this seems like a good pool of available head coaches, right? Bill Belichick is out there. Mike Vrabel is out yeah. there. Uh, there seem you know Ben Johnson is a is an attractive candidate. Maybe uh, Nick Saban is out there for <laughs> you. Uh, do you think that that affects Jeffrey Lurie's decision making? Not necessarily. Uh, you know, I, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday that would he, if he were to move on from Nick Sirianni, is it to hire someone specifically? Mm. Does he have a name in mind? Or do they do the, the start from ground zero search? Uh, because those are, are, two, are two very different things. Yes. Um, and one thing that Jeffrey likes to puff his chest I, about. I think we can agree that Vrabel is not their kind of guy. Can we agree on that? You don't think so? You, you think no. he is? Interesting. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. Oh, interesting. What okay. do you mean by their kind of guy? Because he's defense? Because he's... Because he runs like yeah. an even less uh, interesting and more 1950s yeah. offense than Nick Sirianni. He has never yeah. run a progressive offense. Well, if I can push back sure. there. Let's th- have the conversation. They were planning on hiring his offensive coordinator. <laughs> they were literally... Yeah. Like, they wanted Arthur Smith. I, I, I mean, they... I shouldn't say... They, they wanted to interview him. No, they did interview him. Okay, you're right. Yeah, right. yeah they they were very interested in him, uh, from what from what I understand. Okay. Um, so that's okay. Yeah, I right. I, I think that uh, maybe they get the band back together. <laughs> Perhaps, although Arthur Smith didn't really run that Falcons team the way uh, I imagine Jeffrey would have wanted the Eagles run. But nonetheless, no, Vrabel. It, Okay, this is interesting. I, I, I have him, been presuming that he would not be their kind of guy, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, you know better than I do. Yeah, I, but I, I keep thinking offense. Yeah, I keep thinking, you know, young I think the and innovative. Thing is a possibility, but right, like 
Yeah, now, but that's the thing. Bill Belichick, by definition, is almost all of these things that we say Jeffrey doesn't. Uh, he's, right. He's not young. He's not. Right. He, he, he's he's not an offensive play caller. Right. There's there's all these different things. We're a little bit far down far down the road here, but but I do think that the history of Jeffrey Lurie's hiring processes mm-hmm. are informative. But I, I think that this is a different situation because I think if he decides to move on, part of the reason he's deciding to move on is that this is a li- like. They're, they entered the season with Super Bowl aspirations. This is not a total teardown. This is a little bit more turnkey, and I, I could yeah. see the case for bringing in sure. a more experienced, uh, you know, quote-unquote retread hire. And that's what makes this fundamentally different than every other time he's, he's hired a coach. But I do know whether it's circumstantial because, as, as Shield would tell us, and it's, and it's true, they didn't always land the guy that Shiel they who? identified. What about Shiel all the new, uh, the new viewers who have never heard of this person? Uh, well, if they watched the show last week, but maybe not. Maybe these are the brand one new thing people. That maybe they're, uh, <laughs> they're you know Eagles porn fe- or like uh, Eagles disaster mm. fetishists. That I do know Jeffrey takes pride in is not just going after the hot candidate and not trying to win the press conference. These are expressions that I've heard him utter. But that multiple, is a little bit multiple, of, of that's what I'm saying. Select, yeah, because as you just said, they tried to hire Arthur Smith. They tried yeah. to hire Ben McAdoo. Sure. Like, uh, they were interested in Adam Gase, right? Right. Um, but he looks at Andy Reid and Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni, three coaches who brought the Eagles to the Super Bowl, and, uh, and none of those coaches were candidates anywhere else. Okay, none of those coaches interviewed anywhere else. None of those coaches <clears throat> won the press conference, and all of them were first-time head coaches. Uh, in two of their cases, first-time play callers. Or actually, all three of their cases, first-time play callers, depending on how much you think Doug called, right? But had what Jeffrey Lurie thought was work qualities that could become head, uh, quality head coaches. But I also don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because we're talking about the decision that he would make if he did uh, right. fire Sirianni, and we're still trying to figure out, will he fire him? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, man. I lean, I would say, like 60% that, that they're going to fire him. And did your opinion change based on the way last night went? No, because that was the same thing we'd seen the last two weeks. Okay. You know? Um, it, was, it was more of the exact same. And it's depressing yeah. uh, from Jeffrey Lurie's standpoint, from the fans' perspective, that there was no button to turn on. But, like, the specific way in which this whole thing unfolded... I don't know what the case is. You know, it, 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 it is separate. Like, did Nick Sirianni do a good job as the head coach for the last three years? Absolutely. Yes, like, exactly. You know, if you, if you were going, if it was like arbitration or you were uh, like, he, he earned a raise based on his performance yeah. over the, the next, the, lap, the past three years. But moving forward from here on out, that's a separate question. Is he the guy yeah. to lead the team? And the way that they collapsed would tell would make me think no now maybe he has uh, a plan um maybe he's got a bunch of coordinator candidates uh, although yeah. i mean who's going to want to come work for him after he fired sean desai midway through yeah. the season um the way that the team just had no answers to the same problems being posed to them week after week does it, you know is not indicative to me of somebody who has the kind of answers that nick's that uh, jeffrey lurie is going to be looking for um, you know, 
what were Nick Sirianni's main jobs, like to make the guys better and to get them to play hard. It didn't look like that happened at the end of the season. It's his offense. The offense underperformed drastically, uh, especially at the end of the season. I like Nick Sirianni. I think he is a good head coach. I think he, he can be successful yeah. somewhere else. But if I was Jeffrey Lurie, I think I probably would make the decision to move on. Yeah, the third thing I, I would add in there is that the quarterback regressed. And the quarterback regressed and, the, and, and the, like the, the game management stuff yeah. has been bad for a while. Sure. So I'm, I am with you there in that I, I've said repeatedly, I don't think Nick Sirianni deserves to be fired. And I stand by that. But this isn't about deserves. It's the same conversation. This isn't about deserves. Um, I think given the way this season ended and the fact that there was no button to push that worked, it's hard to fathom the way they played in those last three games in particular, the way they played in a make-or-break game, the, the things we were talking about and asking about and writing about during this skid – were like magnified on a national stage and you know i i'm at the game but i have in one ear the uh the national broadcast and to hear to hear what aikman was saying right troy aikman's a respected figure and he's not picking that out of thin air no right so remember he was hard on on nick in 2021 too when that same loss to tampa bay was talking about how the offense didn't have any answers so yeah nick to me, Nick would have to have a really convincing case that he can fix this. Well, make the case. Make, make the case on the positive to me for why Nick Sirianni should stay. Well, the case is the resume. The case is that he brought you to the playoffs three years in a row, double-digit wins the past two years, the Super Bowl two seasons ago, that um, he th- this year things you know he had, he had a bad two months. And are you going to have franchise upheaval based on two months? And that there are mitigating factors at play here. Perhaps Jalen was dealing with an injury that affected him in a way beyond, um, you know, what we know. Defensive personnel, you can you can kind of point maybe to how the roster was assembled there. But the other thing that that I know this is a conversation maybe for the middle of the show, but we should include it now is Jalen Hurts has a lot of power and sway in this organization. This is my next question. And Jalen was given an opportunity publicly to back his coach. and uh, Set the scene. Yeah, so press conference after the game. and um, Like an hour later. Yep, everyone's there. And you know this question is coming, right? It's not the first question, but you know the question is coming because in the locker room they just got it, Sirianni just got it. It was the talk of the broadcast. It was the talk of the week. I mean, there are, it is, it is um, like offensive to the PR staff who work hard to prepare the guys who have to go for press conferences for the questions they're going to get to pretend as if you didn't know this question was coming. And by the way, his answer made it seem like it was one of those things that he had thought about ahead of time. And that, you know, because he was asked, you know, do you want Nick to be back? And he said he didn't know Nick was going anywhere, right? And then, which is also again not even the <laughs> yeah, there was doesn't a, make sense as an there answer. There was a follow up <clears throat> there too. That what's your confidence that Nick can fix this? He says he's confident in all his players and coaches, which is not going to bat for Nick the way other people are. Now you can say 
as I've said with Jalen in the past, that he treats press conferences a certain way. He treats the media a certain way. Um, it's similar to the conversation that we had when AJ stood up for Nick and, you know, and, and Jalen didn't necessarily have the same thing. And, you know, we said he can say that you don't owe it to the media. And I would agree. You don't owe it to the media, but you owe it to Nick. And maybe the same thing last night. If you believe in Nick, you can say, right, that's, that's not my decision to make. There's so many ways to answer it. That's, that's not my decision to make, but, you know, uh, he's been my only head coach. Or, you know, he, you know, we've done great things together over the past three years. I believe in him. Or you can do what Dak Prescott did with, with Mike McCarthy, which is to say, like, if you're blaming him, blame me too. And that I think it's a crazy discussion, but that's, you know, I, I, I know it's a, it's a business. Uh, as Lane Johnson said by his locker yesterday, like, you know, it's, it's a wild league and things happen and changes are, are going to be made. Um, there's so many, you know, Hassan Reddick said that uh, this isn't all on Nick and that you, you can't say, ah, 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 during the good times and then just try to fire him during the bad times. And then the next breath he said, but that's beyond my pay grade, right? Like there's, there's ways of supporting your coach without, um, you know, with kind of leaving that, that, that wiggle room. But also, you also know you're the franchise quarterback. Your words matter. And so you've said this more eloquently than, than I did, and in most things you say more eloquently than I do. I don't agree with that. But, uh, but that in the absence of like Jalen's voice, things get assigned to him. Right. And that if Jalen's just going to get up there and say and say, uh, I didn't you know, I didn't know he was going anywhere and I have confidence in everybody. Well, then clearly on, you know, on Good Morning Football in, in there, they're going to talk about that answer. And, and uh, you know, the, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the, it's, it's, it's going to be the main story. Like you had a chance to go to bat for your coach. And I imagine that Jeffrey Lurie is going to have a conversation with Jalen Hurts about this because Jalen is the franchise quarterback. It honestly, it, it felt like the death knell for Sirianni yep. because it is impossible to take that answer as anything other than a lack of endorsement mm -hmm. for the head coach. He, he, there, as you said, there are so many ways he could have tried to protect Nick, even if even if he didn't really believe yep. that, yep. right? And the truth is that Jalen Hurts is the most important person in the organization, aside from Jeffrey Lurie right now. He is not going anywhere. That is the contract he signed. And whether there is buyer's remorse there from the franchise or not, they have to move forward with trying to get the best out of Jalen Hurts. And if the relationship between Hurts and Sirianni is to that point, then I don't know if there is a, a, a positive case to bring Nick Sirianni back. Now, maybe it's, maybe it's fixable. Uh, you know, people have tension yeah. at work all the time and mm -hmm. they can work through it and still be productive. But like, I'm trying to think of, okay, take a step back. You know, maybe Nick Sirianni is um, burned out from the past two years. Like last, last year was a wild ride. There was no off season. He had to, you know, hustle to get his staff filled and try to, you know, bring more energy to replace what Steichen left and maybe get a little bit more involved in the defense because he didn't have Jonathan Gannon and he just is out of time. We've talked about his sleep habits, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it, I think it's a real, a, a real factor. I can't rip him for that, though. But if, if he, like, if Jalen Hurts is already, like, seeding out 
through his camp that he is unhappy with the offense. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey Lurie has to do what is best for like making this offense good surrounding Jalen Hurts. I think it's unfortunate, but I, I, think yeah. he, I think he probably does have to move. Well, the one thing I, I would push back on, too, is that because I, I, I hear you there. Those are all sensible points. I don't believe in change just for change's sake. I believe yeah, I that, that. that you need to have a plan for how to fix this. Like, if it's just we don't Well, believe I think there are two things. I think I'm, – I'm, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off. No I think you have to – I think you have to make the decision based on Nick Sirianni – regardless of what your options are. But I also think you have to know what your options are Sure. if you're going to move on, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does. And that's where, you know, Doug Peterson, they moved on, and they didn't have they, – they, they weren't ready for a coaching search. And, and they'll tell you that. They were a week late into it, and, uh, and they were thinking about the, the names for the following year because of where they were from a coaching search perspective. Uh, I don't know the type of work they were doing behind the scenes on this as far as if they if during this collapse they started putting names together or they started preparing themselves or like you said this is a different type of coaching search if they do commence one because it's more of a turnkey operation here and you're just looking for someone to push you over the hump but um, I, I would think that if you make a move, if they make a move, it would need to be with a plan in place with a few candidates that really intrigue them. Um, and I generally don't like doing searches that way. I, I same way I, I, I say, don't write stories where you already know what your conclusion is, right? Because then you're just leading your reporting that way. You know, don't do a coaching search where it's like all the interviews are a farce, right. and you know you already know who you're going to hire because you never know who's going to impress you you never know who you're going to meet you never know the vision there but um i would imagine here you need to have a rough idea of where this could go because nick sirianni for the despite the way this ended he's he's a good coach who's won a lot of games in this league and that counts for something like if if crazy amount of if you were to hire somebody who uh, like if Nick Sirianni pulled a Saban and retired right now, he would probably have the best winning percentage yeah. in NFL history, yeah. right? Or if if the Eagles had a different coach and they fired someone and Sirianni became available and you had a coach who made the playoffs three years in a row and had a top 10 offense the past two years, you'd be like, oh, that, that guy's pretty interesting, right? So now we're in this every day. We, we see this. We see the warning signs. Um, I just keep going back to... Man, that that defensive coordinator change really backfired in such a, and that's I think you know that's the big question here. I do believe big picture. If we if we are uh, placing blame, I think Nick Sirianni deserves the plurality of blame for the offense underperforming. I think Howie Roseman probably deserves the most blame for the defense being as bad as it is. I think it was a poorly yeah. constructed defense. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I vividly remember. The shows we were doing in March when they brought back Bradbury and Slay, and these were the conversations we were having. Like, what if, this, if, if, if these guys go downhill fast, and we saw that with Bradbury this year, and then we also talked about how a linebacker and safety, they had career years at both those positions, and that with, with the investment they make, you can't necessarily count on that same ROI. Um, 
and uh, the expression we've used many times at linebacker, you get what you pay for. You know, they got what they paid for at linebacker this year. Uh, at safety, they had some unfortunate injuries, but even still, like they, they traded draft picks for Bayard. That hasn't necessarily worked out. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're getting the type of safety and linebacker play that is probably more closely associated with the asset with the investment they make than what they got last year when they had four guys playing kind of above their heads. Yeah, and we I mean we'll have lots yeah. of time to go over the specific moves. I think they probably did a bad job self-scouting Nicobe Dean um, and putting all their like turkeys into that basket. Uh, I, I think the buyer trade made sense at the time, mm -hmm. but they probably should have just let Sidney Brown play at that point mm -hmm. um but and the Brad, or, or the bradbury contract uh yeah the bradbury contract is bad i mean, I mean maybe pay you pay <laughs> like you pay cj garner johnson what he's looking for in the market you know yeah. to have or, a 25 I mean, year old or you pay patrick yeah. peterson like five million dollars yeah. like yeah. You know, who's also old but you're not you're not committing long term now let me ask you this question mm -hmm. if they do move on from nick sirianni and they've fired a head coach a year after he takes them to the Super Bowl, one cycle after they fired the head coach who yeah. won them the Super Bowl, what do you think is the um, attractability of the job around the league? Well, the attractability is you have a good ro you have a roster of really good offensive talent that's hard to find. Um, you, you have... Relevant to the other open positions, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you have, you have a good roster. You have a team that is historically a franchise that's historically competitive right uh i mean if you look at the past 20 years you can count on one hand the amount of times they didn't make the postseason right um so that's hard to find there's a lot of teams that have they're replacing head coaches who, who, who like did not make it um you you know that uh there's probably more oversight and involvement from the management level than in some other places so a coach needs to accept that uh and you're pro and you might not get the same shelf life that you could get somewhere else because <laughs> if if they were to move on from nick after three years of making the playoffs and you know doug peterson five years with uh three of those years or i'm sorry six years before those years in the playoffs um no no i'm sorry five years or three of those years in the playoffs Chip Kelly, uh, three years, right? Like, there's, this is not the organization that keeps Andy Reid for 14 years anymore. Uh, so you go into it knowing that. But I would say there's 32 franchises in the league. How many of these franchises are laughable on a year-to-year -year basis? I think that the des desirability of the job is you have a, a roster that can win now. You have a quarterback who's, who's 25 years old and – you know, is theoretically still an ascending player, um, and you have an organization that 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 has proven under multiple coaches and multiple decades that they can win. And I, I, I think the the uh, infrastructure that's in place is more attractive than it is elsewhere. I don't know that I agree with that. Okay, I think the the meddling that you mentioned is a significant yeah. factor. Oh, sure. And so I think for a Ben Johnson. It, it is not the most attractive job, and it wouldn't be towards the top of the, the most attractive jobs. I think for, like, the, candidate, the young candidate who gets, uh, like, the job that he wants, I don't think you want a, 
a GM and owner who are going to be the ones who really have all the power and are meddling. I think if you're Bill Belichick and you can come in and uh, call the shots and you can take over personnel if you want to and or get have the, the heavy right. hand or get the wins and record. you get the roster, yeah. then I think it is the most attractive uh, like turnkey place. I think it's um, it depends on the candidate. That's that yeah. is sort of my read. Yeah, I, I think the roster is is in solid shape, not great shape. Like uh, things are coming uh, over a cliff at certain positions and with certain things that we will talk about throughout the offseason. But they have a quarterback. They have an offense. Um, but if I'm, you know, uh, Mike McDonald or like even Bobby Slowick. I mean, I'd rather have the Chargers job, but I'd probably rather have the Falcons job. The Falcons job, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the, in that job, you have to find your quarterback. The, the, I think the job that's probably I'd rather most, have the Commanders job. Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, yeah. I might even rather have the Titans job. I don't know. Yeah, so I think the Commanders job is really attractive because you have the number two pick, you have a lot of cap space, you have two second round picks, and you have uh, you have a, a new GM who you'd be in alignment with, right? And then you also probably have a long runway there. It's a new ownership group, it's investing, and it's a fan base that you're not going to be worse than the guy before and the guy before that, right? So I do think somebody made, the good, made a good point to me that like cap space is overrated as a, as a job prospect thing because it's like, what, are you going to spend it on bad free yeah, agents? Like, that's true. Cap space is helpful if you have guys worth extending. Yeah, no, I, I think more when you... Like look, the Bears had all that cap space last year. They spent a ton of money on linebackers and guards. I don't think it's necessarily like cap space is, is attractive. I think it's it's more that a tight cap is unattractive because you look at your roster and you have to cut you well, sure, to cut yeah, nobody wants Nobody would right. want the Saints job. Or yeah, right. like or if you take the, the Chargers job right now, you're, yeah, but you're you cutting a lot of guys, but you have a quarterback, right? And so that's the thing with the Eagles is that you probably have a quarterback. Um, so or I, I would say you do have, have a quarterback. Um, but it's it's such look, I thought the Doug Peterson decision was a really hard one because he won the Super Bowl for you because he had one down year there. But the way Jeffrey Lurie made it, it made a lot of sense to me. And it actually worked out exactly the way Jeffrey said was that. They did have to take a step back that, that, that year. You know, they reset in terms of draft picks. They reset in terms of some of their contracts. Um, they didn't really spend during that 2021 season, right? And then it set them up for what happened in 2022, and that probably wouldn't have been the roadmap that Doug Peterson would have wanted. That said, I think this one is so much more complicated and so much more challenging. And I go back to what I said at the top of the show. If it's about deserve... Nick Sirianni deserves to still be the head coach, but if it's about the vision going forward and the fitness in the coach to execute that vision, then it becomes a much more difficult answer and it frankly might be enough to make a change. Especially the way it ended is inexcusable and it just does not give you confidence that, they, that, that there's a button they can push because if there was a button that they could push, they would have pushed it against Arizona. They would have pushed it against the Giants. And they darn well would have pushed it against the Bucks in a make-or-break playoff game. Well, Zach, you mentioned fitness. It's time for me to talk to you about fitness. Fitness whole bagel in my mouth. <laughs> because Bagels & Co. is 
where you can get Brooklyn-style bagels that are huge. Huge bagels, the biggest in Philly, and they've got a large variety. You make sure you have 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. We've got seasonal bagels as well. They had Christmas-flavored bagels on display for the holiday season, all that good stuff. They've also got the largest cream cheese variety, over 30 different flavors of cream cheese and schmears. Now, they did an Eagles one. May have to retire that one or at least work on a new recipe uh, for whatever is coming next for this Eagles season. They've got Phillies ones as well. It's also an affordable brand. You can get a lot of food for cheap. They don't want to be some, you know, come in and spend $20 on a bagel, this artisan bagel. This is, this is a bagel for, for the working man. This is a, a blue-collar bagel we're talking about at Bagels & Co. And so for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. Now let me tell you about game time because I was, I was speaking to my wife on the way over here. Flex. And Thanks. I'm proud of that one. I'll, I'll flex that. And... Her, she asked basically what the uh, headline of the show is. Since, mm. since, so, like, now what? She wasn't talking mm. about the Eagles. She was talking about with my life, right? And, of course, you know, we have daily Wait, shows. Wait, I'm confused. She, was she asking about the show or she was asking about you? Oh, She's she was about, saying now what She was saying you. now what? Yeah, see, like, the season's okay. over. Now okay. what? Right? And so we have daily shows, but... It means you're not traveling next weekend. That's yeah, a win for but, her. Yeah, but there's a little more time here. And uh, with that time, maybe I can go check out... The surging flyers, or sick. I love going to Sixers games. St. Joe's or Villanova or Penn or Drexel or LaSalle. I don't have season tickets to any of these places. If I wow. want to get tickets to go, what about Temple or, or Temple? Yeah. Okay. Um, if I if uh, yeah, definitely Temple. Uh, did you say Drexel? I did say Drexel. Okay. Yeah. If I want to go to any of these, what I will do is I will pull up the Game Time app because buying tickets to my favorite events should not be stressful, and they shouldn't be stressful for you either. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets to start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. You can browse through the Game Time app and find different events in your area. I just mentioned those six college basketball schools, and uh, and then... You then the Sixers and the Flyers, and they have flat they have flash deals and last minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets, and you can find the image of your seat view. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals and tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets. Without the stress at game time, download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Zach, I don't want to spend uh, the rest of the show talking about Jason Kelsey. Okay. Um, but we should acknowledge it. Now, the reason I don't want to just make this the Jason Kelsey show is I think there is a there's a contrast between the things that we've talked about with Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey, mm -hmm. right? Jalen Hurts doesn't tell us anything, which is his right, and that's totally fine. And in the absence of him telling us things, like, you know, oftentimes people have to fill things out. Jason Kelsey, on the other hand, has always been so generous with uh, his time and his opinion um, and his thoughts. And so the reports that he told teammates in the locker room last night that uh, he probably plans to retire or that he is going yeah, yeah. to retire. Uh, you know, we all saw how emotional he was on the sideline. 
Um, I think it's fair to let him be the one to actually make that announcement, and we can reflect appropriately when it's the case. But there is no doubt yeah. that you know Jason Kelsey is like the 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 face of the franchise over the past decade. Um, he is a Hall of Fame player yep. um, and has been a joy to cover and is going to leave a massive hole in the organization from a personality standpoint and certainly on the field. Yeah, well said. And you know him well. You've, you've, you've covered him extensively. I think As some do of, you. I think some of the best stories that have been written about Jason – over the past decade, have been written by you, um, and I, I bring that up. You're no as, slouch yourself. What's that? You said you're no mm-hmm. slouch yourself. Uh, he's yeah, he's an institution in that building. He's an institution. It in, also in says the a lot about Jason Kelsey that every everybody who has been on the beat has their own sure, you know, exactly. Jason Kelsey story they're proud of because and, he is that yeah. generous with his time. Yeah, and, and I I try not to make it like uh, about the media, you know, um, when he's, yeah, I agree. I think we, I think we can overrate that. Yeah. It, it, um, but I think that he's somebody who, uh, as a teammate, uh, certainly as a player, as a citizen in the city, um, he is, yeah, he's, he's created an incredible legacy for himself. And I use the term he's, he's created it. Like it, it wasn't necessarily, it, it, it wasn't, foisted upon him when he got here he had to earn it it happened almost gradually um he's been through a lot in his career i've had i I remember distinctly sitting down and speaking to jason during times when it seemed like he 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 might be replaced or that he didn't know if he was going to be back and so for him to uh, and and then each of these past few years it's been is he going to retire is he going to retire and it really did seem like this year was going to be the last year um, when he came back and just some of the uh, the sentiments that I was hearing over the past few weeks. Um, and then you saw the emotion on the sideline from him. Uh, but everything that's said about him is, is true. And from a football perspective, the Eagles have, have did their, they've done their planning. It's going to be Cam Jurgens next year. Although I did think the Eagles really liked the way Landon Dickerson played last week at center. That's interesting. Yeah. Because Cam Jurgens also did not play very well since returning from yeah. his injury. Yeah. Uh, now, he, he might be more of a natural center than a guard. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe that Landon Dickerson's probably yeah. a better center than Jason Kelsey, I mean, than, than Cam Jurgens. But I also think you'd rather have Dickerson at guard sure. and, and Jurgens yeah. at center than vice versa, yeah. just body type wise. Um, Although maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Who, who's better at diagnosing stuff pre-snap? That's such a big part of it. Um, but we've spoken about how this is Jalen's, you know, this is Jalen's franchise, if, if you will. But also, as long as Jason Kelsey was in there, it was also Jason Kelsey's franchise. And there's a part of this, too, uh, perhaps not on, on the same scale, but when Malcolm Jenkins left, it very much became like Carson Wentz's team, right? Um and so I, I, I think that was their narrative. That, okay. I don't know if that is actually true. I think actually the problem true? is that it didn't yeah, become Carson true, Wentz's true, team. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but and I think they ended up missing Malcolm Jenkins' sure. leadership. But my point is, is, is that Jason plays such a big role in that building. But in, he has also that said that he has tried to purposely exactly step so, back to let it be Jalen's yes. team. Yes. You're absolutely right. Um, but it's also. He's, he has such a presence that it cannot be ignored. Sure. Um, whether it's on the field, whether it's publicly, uh, you've heard 
Jeff Stoutland and Nick Sirianni and other players talk about this, like the amount of responsibility he takes at the, at the line of scrimmage. Um, certainly some of the things that he does behind the scenes in terms of uh, uh, being that voice of reason or helping some, get some uh, you know, young guys along. E.J. Smith had a good story in the Inquirer about this the other day. Yeah, I, I, it is, it's, a, it's a tremendous void for the Eagles, but more than that, it's a, it's a tremendous career that deserves celebration and deserves appreciation. And uh, I look forward to hearing what he says. I imagine, you know, he has a competing podcast from ours. I imagine he'll talk about it on that. But uh, yeah, I'm eager to uh, hear what he says and I'm eager to speak with him uh, about this because like you mentioned, he's, he does, he's not afraid to show emotion. He's not afraid to be reflective and be honest and, uh, you know, again, this is not about the media, but like I've, I've, I've sat down and talked with him about what comes next, and he's been very uh, deliberate and, and like thinking a lot about what's coming after football. So I'm fascinated to see the next the next stage of his career as well. Well, he will certainly have lots of options, um, and I think he will be very uh, eloquent about uh, the whole thing whenever it is that that he does speak, and and we can talk about it then. Uh, before we do that, if you want to go, uh, they, I don't know, they might have some Kelsey merch or if you just want to, you know, show your support, wear some Eagle stuff, even though they uh, let you down at the end of the season, you can go to FOCO because FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. They've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Now, if I can ask you uh, about yesterday's game. You may. Did did you think the way they played factors into any of these decisions? Like, if if they were really competitive and they lost 31-28, but there was, you know, Baker Mayfield played out of his mind, um, maybe there was a tough call here and in, in, in there, but, but they really showed, you know, they showed something in the loss. Would that have factored into it? Or the was it just this was part of this whole collapse no matter what? Uh, I think it matters. Okay. Um, I think that intellectually, I would like to think that, you know, you shouldn't overrate one game, sure. especially the last one. You want to avoid yep. recency bias. But I also think, like, from Jeffrey Lurie's perspective, it's human nature. And the way that it happened, yeah. offensively, the same things, like mm-hmm. the blitz, again. Mm-hmm. How can we still not have answers? How can we still be running... Four verts or or four stop routes across the board against a man blitz like, and you've got like the whole football industrial media complex like guys who are generally very, you know, gloves on yeah. just attacking the offensive scheme like I think that stuff matters a lot, um, and for him to not have any better answers there, I think that matters. I, I think it really does. And to be like over, for it to be the same thing yeah. over and over, and to not convert a single third down. Um, of course, that's. I mean, <laughs> that, that's you. You yeah. would just fire anybody. You know, like, second time, trigger that's, happy Zach. Second time that's down. happened. It's only happened twice in my time covering the Eagles, and the only other time was 2020 against the Giants. Uh, okay. So, yeah, it's it, it. It was ugly yesterday, and then the defense, just the lack of. 
I hate using the term effort because it's hard. It's certainly hard to quantify, and they're out there putting. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're risking their their life. You know, they're risking they their are. bodies. They yeah, they're, they're risking their bodies out there. But the missed tackles um, and the bad angles and. You know, I, I didn't watch the game through, but I watched the highlight package through. And when you see those two touchdowns, the one by Trey Palmer and the one by David Moore, and it's just it's just like pathetic. And you watch that and you say, if that was isolated to one game, okay. But we've seen that week in, week out here during the last month. And the way yes like yesterday was as poor of a football game as I've seen them play in a long time. Like even even the Arizona game you can look at and you can say, all right, you know, they they actually moved the ball decently on offense. They had a collapse in the in the second half on defense. In the Giants game you can say they weren't playing with their guys, you know, for for most of that game. Yesterday Yeah, I think the order of things matters. Yeah. yeah. The what like like yesterday it was both sides of the ball. Uh, they were missing three starters. That's it. Like health I mean, AJ Brown's a huge part of this. But you still have Devontae Smith. You still have Dallas Goddard. You still have Jalen Hurts. Um, and I know Jalen Hurts was dealing with something with his, with his finger, but Baker Mayfield was dealing with something with his ribs and his ankle, right? And played the lights out. So I look at it, and it didn't seem, you know, even though Jalen was affected, it was the decision-making more than anything else. Like that sack was such poor situational awareness there. Uh, the, the, just a handful of things in that game when – they really had a chance. Like, I was going through the box score there, and, and they had the ball with a, with a minute and a half to go at the, end, at the end of the first half. With a, you know, And they were getting the ball at the start of the second half. They had a chance to, to do what coaches always talk about, score going in the half and then coming out of the half. Right. Uh, and they failed both on of both, those yeah. were empty possessions. And then the possession with, at the end of the first half was that yeah, temperature was so bad. Yeah. Um, and how many third and longs where they're, they're having these passes to Quez Watkins or Kenny Gainwell, and we've asked about them, and it's like, well, did you see this work against the Rams in week five? It's like, come on, I've seen it not work this week and that week and that week. And so It was so perfect when the first half ran out on that, yeah, that Quez exactly. Watkins screen. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, the, I, I know when a season ends, it's not like you break down the game. You know, I don't even think we broke down the Super Bowl right last year, but... It's still the the manner in which they lost. I can't get over how pathetic, feckless. Yeah, in a in a gotta have it game, like literally the definition of a must win game. And for that to be the effort, and I keep going back to talking to Brandon Graham by his locker last week, and him saying all the stuff. And I said to him, "But you said this before Arizona." And he's like, "You're right. I got to think it's gonna be different because it's winner go home." And being by Lane Johnson's locker last night. And Lane saying, Lane saying, we've said all, we've tried to offer all these explanations in the, in the press conference, and it's still like this. Like shit's got to change. So, yeah, working blue. No, I'm quoting him. He said shit's. But I did ask him, by the way, because he, he said shit's got to change, and I said what? Three in a row. I said what shit has to change? Four. So, yeah. So, so he said winning. Yes. Okay. Actually, my kids are home from school today, and they are watching. What are you so doing? I apologize for my language there. Um, it's yeah, a daytime show. That's not even a night show. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We were on at like Guys, 2 a.m. last night. Ears. I could have done that. Poop. The poop has to change. The poop has to change. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, Zach. What's your expectation knowing how the Eagles do things on like timing here? 
Yeah, so it's what a great question. It's a great question because because the uh, from my understanding, the exit meetings with the players are tomorrow. And typically the way the order of operations not always, but sometimes works is like the coaches can meet with the team, right? And then it, you know, if he did something today, I suppose he can still meet with the team tomorrow. But the reality too is if you are going to make a change, you have to act swiftly. Um, they're already a week into this, and I know the league has kind of pushed things back in terms of the... Uh, Could even have in-person interviews, right? Yeah, well, well, with people who work for teams. Right. You're allowed to... Fired guys. Yeah, right. so, you know, Belichick, Belichick or yeah. Vrabel or... Yeah. Um, so that's that's uh, that's something to uh, to definitely... That you have to think about. And, and, and there is, in, and rightfully so, there's a process that you need to go through uh, and th- it's good that the league has these protocols in place um, for the amount of candidates you need to interview. And, 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 um, and so this is all a way of saying you don't want to drag this out. Uh, now, the Cowboys haven't made a move yet, right? And you got to kind of monitor that. But th- that's a team with a similar situation as you. And, and so you're competing against them as, as well. I would – I don't want to say I, I would hope. I would think – that there need that there would be resolution in the next 48 hours uh, because people do start to scatter and they have to start you know your staff has to start working on some offseason stuff and if you are going to make staff changes um, that's a factor as well so yeah I would think the next 48 hours but the thing is this in 2021 um, we went into that weekend. Like, Doug Peterson's coming back. And then all of a sudden, wait, Doug yeah. Peterson's not coming back. Uh, so the Eagles have a different process as, as everyone else. Right. I don't think that will be yeah. the case this time. Yeah. I think yeah. I think they'll, they'll make that decision. Yes. You know what I was thinking about, Zach, as, as I got home last night at, at 2 a.m. from the snow? Remember the story from the 2021 loss? Yeah, I do. They, re- they return from Tampa mm, Bay, and g- the ice is on the windshield, and... Howie Roseman jets off. He barely just covers yep. the yep. thing, and he, he speeds off, and Nick Sirianni waits around until Zach McPherson can get a tow for his car or whatever it is, right? Yep. You know, I just like I just have this vivid like vivid image in my mind of they arrive home last night at, you know, 4 in the morning. Yep. Everybody's snow, everybody's car is covered in snow, and Nick Sirianni's helping, <laughs> you know, Makai Garner wipe mm-hmm. off the uh, wipe off the snow in his car. And, and I, like... He is a guy who they didn't they didn't play hard or great for him. Yeah. But all indications are like the guys in the locker room like Nick Sirianni, and uh, I think that's valuable and commendable, and a reason that I think he should be a head coach somewhere. But it's not the reason that that Jeffrey Lurie is going to decide whether or not to keep him. Yeah, well said, and and I think that's that's a good point to make. Because I think the public tends to see, and rightfully so, um, the kind of the persona on the sideline, and he does have sometimes too much bravado mm. and uh, a way of acting. But behind the scenes, he's someone who, who like genuinely loves his players and like cares for his players. I wrote a story earlier this year on a connection he formed with Milton Williams over, you know, Mil- you know, Milton Williams' mother having a cancer and and 
but there are a handful of stories. Uh, I mean, there's there's more than a handful. There's different things that I've heard of how he forms you know connections with a lot of these players, and that is meaningful to him. But again, this is a bottom line business, and he would tell you that. And uh, I, you know, there's there's kind of this push pull this time of year because, like, I remember, uh, and I certainly would never mean to pick on Adam Schefter because. He's incredible at what he does. Um, I agree with that. Okay, but there's at a, what he does. But I, I, I remember this was after the uh, 2011, no, after the 2010 season, and he was on ESPN, and it was like, uh, you know, they were joking like, "Are you going to be able to break something while you're sitting here?" And like he broke the story of a guy being fired and he was like gleeful about it and then he said right but you have to remember these guys have families and, and whatnot and um and so there's this like push pull that because I, I always say well this is also this is the nature of their business and uh i actually don't you know i i what i think about is whenever you make a state a, a coaching change it's never just a head coach it there's reverberations throughout the entire locker room oh, 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 oh i'm sorry throughout the entire coaching staff throughout the entire organization, people in, people out, families moved, like, look, it's the nature of that business. You know, you heard Andy Reid's children were all born in a, in a different, in a different state, right? But, um, but these are, like, these are very human decisions that are, are made. It's, it, it's not just, you know, something on, on Twitter. Totally. Um, yeah, I think that's well said. Whatever decision Jeff Lurie has to make yeah. is going to, and, and and I mean, let's be honest. Even if he's going to keep Nick yeah. Sirianni, there are going to be yeah. staff changes, yeah. significant ones. Sure. Right? So, all right. Well, let's let's just sort of set the stage yep. for what we've got coming this week on PHLY. We've got our, we're scheduled for like 10 a.m. the next three days, but we're going to be nimble. We're going to yes. be flexible. Whatever, if any news happens, we will be ready to uh, yeah. do an emergency pod from home if need be, or come in if need be tomorrow. If the Eagles are doing locker room. We will react to that as well. And if there's a press conference, the same. So uh, just stay tuned to uh, Zach's Twitter is really the <laughs> one to pay attention to. And then, you know, just keep refreshing the feet. We've got we will, we'll have lots of stuff coming. Yeah, what I can promise you, and, and this is actually not just a promise to the audience, it's a promise to Bo, who's been talking about this for the past five months, is we're going to get into a, a rhythm of the same time every day. Where you at can some kind, point, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. During this off season, where 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 you know, at this time, you'll have the PHLY Eagles show. This week and kind of these next few weeks, um, we have to be nimble because we're reacting now. All right, there's there's Zach good, be nimble, Zach be quick. <laughs> uh, and then there's some other, you know, there's some league events that are mixed in here that are kind of tentpole events. But um, there's going to be a time come March and April and May where we can start to say, all right, you know, there's nothing going on at the team facility. Everyone's scattered all around the country. Like, we're going to be at this time. Now, Zach, if Emily and the kids are watching, I want you to look into the camera. <laughs> and first of all, tell them you're excited to see them. But most uh, of all, I want you to promise that you're going to get some sleep. Well, I can't wait to see them. I mean, I've expressed that to them over the phone, over FaceTime, multiple times. But uh, I... Sleep, yeah, but I promise you I'm not going to take a nap today because I want to hang out with my kids. It's a snow day. I'm excited to see mm -hmm. them. Yeah, we made a snowman this morning. Yeah. Mr. Snowy. We oh, very him. nice. Casey Original name. name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't come up with it. Yeah. And then uh, shot at Casey. Ouch. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, I, I, I am going to sleep tonight, but I'm not going to sleep with my phone on silent because 
look, stuff can happen overnight, and I gotta be, I gotta react to that as as well. And I am gonna get into more of a cadence on allphly.com and try to put some more analysis and opinion out there uh, as we go forward here, because there's a lot during the off season that you start to react to as well. And as Dean says, make sure everybody likes and subscribes on YouTube and get your thousand crunches in on behalf of Baldy uh, to Gene. Yes, I will be going to the senior bowl in two weeks that uh, looking forward to that. Zach may or may not join me. We'll, we'll discuss that as well. So uh, lots to come here from PHLY and obviously a very newsworthy week. No matter what happens this week, we will have you covered. We thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you to Julia for putting it all together, getting the studio set back up after last night. What hustle. And thanks to Zach for, for making his way here, uh, flying that plane. Great job. <laughs> for all of us here, we thank you for listening and watching. We will talk to you at some point soon. And as always, we love you. Y'all silly like the mayor. 